I left market research to start my business in selling insurance. Okay. <laughs> it's not written anywhere. Yeah. So what happened is I'm like, okay, I've always wanted my business. I did student painters. I did a year. Now I've got to go back to the action of being an entrepreneur. So I went in there and whatnot, took my courses and then realized, okay, this is not for me. This is not the type of business that I really want. So then Fido was the coolest place you could work downtown back right. then. Like if you got in, you were really happy. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders, really, really excited about bringing on uh, a past alum, uh, David Salerno, worked with us back in 1992, one of our early and youngest operators uh, back in 1992. Uh, he went on uh, have a have a, a, biz, uh, a career in, in the corporate world for about a decade, but always wanting to start his own business, which he has, and he's grown it tremendously over the last 15 years. It's called Soul Pack, basically packaged you know, takeaway containers uh, for, you know, all the great food that people take, get, having them delivered to their home, having delivered to their business. And there's a, it's a kind of a pulp and paper uh, product that actually is biodegradable. So uh, it's um, running uh, over $8 million and consistently growing. And two years ago, he started another business around mentorship, helping develop other business leaders um, and businesses. So we get we we dig into a lot of amazing things. I know you're going to love this conversation. Just love David's energy and his incredible uh, communication skills. Um, yeah, so so uh, so listen and then listen to the end. And uh, please would love to have you share uh, this with any other young leader uh, who is looking to step aside and make real progress in the world. We're we're looking for amazing leaders. So and you're welcome to send me those or any feedback on the show, see Thompson at studentworks.com. Thanks so much. Aiden, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. So excited for you to join. Thank you, Chris. I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, I know we were talking before the podcast about, you know, uh, one of our, 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 our local canvassers, our, you know, local operators coming along in your neighborhood and discovering Wow, another you know alumnus who we had uh, lost track of, and uh, so happy to catch up. So before we get th there, let's take you back before finding out about student painters or painters at your jobs back in uh, 1991, 92. What, what um, who was who was David Solera? So, so I I, uh, I joined the Paint which became Student Works, uh, when I was 17, actually. Yeah. So I was uh, I was just uh, in siege jet uh, back then in Quebec, and uh, I was basically a kid who had big dreams. Uh, right. My father had started all kinds of businesses, so I've always wanted to be in business, and and I was a little bit nerdy back then. I played Monopoly by myself, pretending I had a business and doing deals and all that jazz. So this is who David was. I was going to school and minding my own business and dreaming of big dreams. Fantastic, and 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 one of the one of the things is is that this is a story of it didn't go so well that first summer. 
Yeah. Right? And, and so, but, you know, one of the great things about life is when things don't go so well, there's lessons. And if we take them, if we learn from them, it can be some of the most powerful. So, so tell, tell, tell us about that, that experience, that summer. Yeah. That, yeah. And what you did with it. Yeah. So, so what I learned is being 17 and starting your own business with not much support. And I can get into details why I say that. And I'm not talking about student works or étudiant, but my family situation was kind of uh, rocky. Yeah. I I realized it was a very big step to take. And, uh, the experience was amazing, but I, I did. I did my fair share of mistakes as a as a rookie and a, and a very young person to start a business. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And it, it kind of looks at and one of the things that we've gotten better and better at over the years is identifying winning situations. Because for someone to go run a business, they need some access to capital, access to a pretty safe home environment. Which really, not that you put it was unsafe, but you, you know, it's like I need a place and I need this and I need that, and and so sometimes. Or not sometimes, it's extraordinarily difficult when we don't have those things because it already is extraordinarily difficult. The, the magnitude of the challenge just grows and grows and grows. But but clearly, because because this is still on your davidsalerno.com site, the story of the 17-year-old. And then absolutely. And and so it really was a profound moment in in your the course of your life, the course of your success. So 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 tell us. You know, what did you do? What did you do after student payers? So, so, uh, so I complete the, the whole summer program, uh, and, and, and I'm very proud of what I've accomplished. And I was, I think today I can say I was very fortunate to have fallen on, on student painters because, because I learned so much. And from that experience, then my journey was to basically, uh, find a new home. That basically right. what happened. I, I left home at 17 after the summer. And I traveled to Vancouver. Um, then I, um, my father lived in Florida back then, so I ended up in Florida. Uh, then he moved to Venezuela, so I joined back uh, a year uh, later. So in the next two, three years, I was basically traveling and, and just living life uh, as a traveling buddy, basically. Right. Okay. Then, and, then, and then once that, that was done, that it was done, I came back to Montreal, and I basically had like 30 bucks in my pocket and uh, basically uh, started studies again and, and was working in market research uh, and I had the entrepreneurial and there's a term I've heard in French I don't know if it's used uh, as much in English it's intrapreneurial yes so you're yes. an entrepreneur within and that's basically what st- st- uh, stuck with me because I basically uh, came in and offered to help with the training program and I was kind of challenging at 19 I think we can do better with the training program for market research and they said well if you can come up with something and I basically launched a new trading program within this organization that lasted for a few years. Then I joined. Why don't we talk about that? Just because I think quite often our leaders actually join larger organizations and sometimes as well. That's that's a really great spot. I've always believed that I could have been very successful working with others, not necessarily having to, quote unquote, own everything. And, you know, you know, as long as that I think there was a. A some type of profit share or or revenue share or some role that I could play that I was creating value and earning that value. Um, and so you joined Canadian Facts. Why don't you tell us about that and the, the types of progress that you made there? Yes. So so Canadian Facts was a uh, national market research firm. 
uh, had great contracts and great projects. It was well known. It changed name, got acquired later on. But yeah. I basically I I, I participated to the uh, new uh, training. And interestingly enough, uh, when I talk about training, I'm going to show you something. The listeners won't see it, but it's basically the original <laughs> binder, the binder of the, the binder for Pentecost. Yes, oh, exactly. I got kicked out of home at 17 and I somehow decided that this was the most important thing to bring with me along some clothing. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so what happened is, uh, is I, I guess I got trained on how to train, right? So I'm a fast learner. So I love the structure of, of this program and whatnot. So it inspired me to propose something in the market research field, which, which then I did for training hundreds of people in the next seven years. It was, awesome. it was a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so around the call center training program, right? And, and exactly is, is what, what you were working in. So that's 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 awesome. And so what had you looking to, to another opportunity, another organization? Uh, interestingly enough, it was the culture of the business was amazing. We had a great uh, director and she had a great vision, very uh, pro people, very pro growth, uh, pro uh, offering a great environment. And that kind of went sideways when a new uh, general manager came in the picture. And when I saw the culture being impacted, I, as a supervisor there, as a team leader, I, I was realizing I wasn't happy anymore in the vibe. And I didn't feel I could give as much. So I thought it was time to be changed. Yeah. People people quit supervisors or managers, not companies so often, right? Abs- absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you moved on to FIDO. So you know, Fido Solutions, Rogers Wireless. What did you get out of that? What was that opportunity like? So, so the interesting anecdote is I left market research to start my business in selling insurance. Okay. <laughs> it's not written anywhere. Yeah. So what happened is I'm like, okay, I've always wanted my business. I did student painters. I did a year. Now I've got to go back to the action of being an entrepreneur. So I went in there and whatnot, took my courses and then realized, okay, this is not for me. This is not the type of business that I really want. So then Fido was the coolest place you could work downtown back then. Right. Like if you got in, you were really happy. So long story short, I went in there for one year saying, okay, I'm going to do this one year while I start my business. I ended ah. up staying seven years. Yeah. <laughs> classic. <laughs> hey, classic. But there was a real commitment to go start your business. Right. And, and, and so, Absolutely. so, so, so why don't we, why don't we start on that? So, so, you know, why don't we start with, what Soul Pack is now, and then we'll start start back, so so people can kind of envision what it is, and then what it started as, and, and all the steps. Got you. So so today, Soul Pack is a national meal packaging and transport solutions company. We basically help our customers across uh, the nation to uh, uh, package their meals, so it's really meal centric, and transport them with all kinds of different solutions. And uh, we have more than five hundred. Uh, clients, active clients, more than that, that buy on and off. And we're going to be doing maybe 8 million a year this year. So it's a, yeah, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty nifty team that we have and they're still growing double digits. Well, and that doesn't surprise me how, you know, more and more people appear to me to be getting prepackaged meals, right? And it's like, oh, I'm finding it difficult to eat everything I need and eat correctly and the right amounts and and they cook better than me. And and so these solutions that you're helping provide solutions for these companies are actually growing quickly because the market is is really fertile for it. I can I can totally see. Yeah, absolutely. And and our solution is uh 15 years ago it wasn't so hot. 
but it was uh, uh, the main flagship product was a pulp paper tray, which disintegrates, so it'll decompose and compostable and all that jazz. So I thought that that was a, a, a cool a cool way to compensate for the fact that these are one-time use products of packaging. And uh, and the other thing that I really liked is I realized the competitors of my clients were my other clients. They were like the fast food industry example. Because uh, here, you if you have a meal that you package, it's a, it's a pretty wholesome meal that's being prepared yes. from our clients versus some fast food, which is fine. It works, it works out. I, I eat fast food. Of course. But Prepared meals of quality uh, is was the other thing that I found really cool to be participating in. Oh, so I did not know there was the environmental piece as well. That that yes. So 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 that is that is just going to get more and more hot. Um, and exactly. as 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 people are skewing more and more environmental and understanding the circumstances that we're in as a world. So uh, you know you could see that that uh, you know would draw more and more clients. So uh, that's fantastic. Exactly. So, yeah, so, 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 so tell us about that first year. Solpac? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I come from the telecom industry. I had done in seven years, maybe five different teams because I wanted to learn all the, the rows, the, um, all the, uh, the, uh, the secrets of management. Right. But when I got at Solpac, one thing that I didn't do was learn about selling. So, and basically I'm alone in my garage. Uh, we had just moved in a brand new home, just got married. And uh, I basically had to sell product. Right. So it was back to the old days of canvassing and door to door and cold calling and all that jazz uh, to understand because I didn't quite grasp the key features of the product. I understand it was a great product, but how to present it to uh, to clients. So the first year was really tough, actually, extremely difficult. I, I got calls from colleagues from the corporate world saying, so how's your new business going? Because they were wanting to hire me back because I was doing pretty well in the management world. Right. But uh, yeah. So the first uh, year or two was, was was difficult. Right. So so how many years did it take before you were able to kind of, you know, not go backwards, maybe? <laughs> yeah, not, not to be tempted. Uh, so, yeah. So I'd say the first couple of years were really the, a bit like a, when the plane is taking off, right? There's a risky moment mm -hmm. taking off. And I'd say the first couple of years. And then to really say that I was... Uh, in a financial situation, personally, that made sense from a revenue perspective. Maybe it took four years, okay. and then and then from that point on, and it kept on growing. And then I started hiring a team, and and at year five, that's when I started thinking, I really want to build a business that does not depend on me beyond the financial aspect of it. I wanted to build a business that was I'd be proud of, and not not have to work a uh, hundred hours a week, for example. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and really thinking about. Working on the business, not in the business, right? And having right. the structures and the systems and the people in the business run the business rather than you needing to run the business. So, um, absolutely, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So, what you know, because you know, one of the things is that really excites um, that idea excites our our young leaders running their own businesses because we you know we'll have operators in their second and third and fourth and fifth years. So, so. What is that? What is that looking like? Being able to take more and more of a leadership role. What 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 supports that, David, so that that's possible? So I think there's a mind mind set shift that needs to happen, and mine took a couple of years at year five. But basically, it's the idea that uh, a bit with the metaphor of a hockey uh, team, you're you're really the coach. So so if the puck is in the corner and, and your guys are struggling. Don't jump necessarily automatically on on, on the on the rink to fix it. Uh, although sometimes 
in real life we do have, but it's really to have that mindset shift where you're there to coach your people and really set up before the game preparation, what, during the game observation and after the game retroaction or feedback to say, how can we be better at each game? And that's really, I think, a mindset shift to be able to enjoy the business from a leadership perspective. Love that. And, and it's, and it's one of those things where for our leaders, sometimes it's, 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 uh, we, we coach, um, we do our first estimates with our operators and then, and then, and then our coaches go out with our operators and they'll just watch. And it's the hardest thing for them because it's like, no, don't say everything. Don't say nothing, but you know, build rapport, but don't say anything. And just, yes, that, that, that person may not book that job. That person may lose the day, right? That particular day. Correct. But yeah. win the season because the lessons they learn, they won't learn them if you catch them. Oh, I would have covered that later. You know, they make up, right? And and not that they're lying, no, but we lie to ourselves. That's what's true. And so so have it go through the natural repercussions of doing it without the coach without the coach's involvement. And then you really get the lessons that you can learn from it. And it takes patience. It's, it's really painful, <laughs> especially when you first start doing it. You know, it, 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 you know, I'm sure I, I can see the huge smile on your face. And, and for me, it's, it's no, I, I actually am so sold on it. I'm totally happy to, I don't feel the same pangs of nervousness or anxiety when it's happening. You know, it's almost like I'm smiling. I'm looking for those opportunities because it'll be more of a, teachable moment that, that will be actually in many ways be able to scale further uh, sometimes. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny because the way you're you're describing, I mean, we're 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 thinking alike in terms of that metaphor of 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 coaching. And I realized when I when my kids were born, maybe what three, four years after uh, uh, I started the business and and then we're in age of talking a few years later. I realize it's it's basically being a good parent. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to take those two wheels off the bike at some point, and you're gonna watch your kid fall to the wayside <laughs> potentially. Yeah. Uh, and and that's part of the of the journey, but it's so rewarding in a sense. And and for a business owner, if I go back to the business, it it, it makes for a profitable business, but a team that's growing, which it's double reward, right? Exactly. And then the other thing is is people want to work in that involvement because by by actually in that way, because it, it actually shows David trusts me, Chris trusts me, and then I'm learning, I'm growing, rather than it's just systematic. This is all you do. You know, you turn off all all my thinking when I come to the office. You know, mm. um, you know. It, actually, we had someone join the office quickly. I won't mention any names. No one would know. But but the person actually came in, and after her first week, her feedback was, "No, I really don't like the company. There's just too much thinking to do." In the office, you know, there's just you know, it's like okay, well, we we you know, and we have loads of systems and processes, but no, we you know, no, well, that's what we like to do here, you know. We're no, we all want to be really using our brains and thinking so and so. But it was a quick, it was a quick in and out, and we transitioned powerfully to to, to somebody else. So so it's 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 again, and like everything in life, some people like that, some people don't. So it's yep. so so yep. um so then. You know, right now you're you're um, putting more and more time into a, a mentorship business. So why don't you talk about that and and how you how you're how you're managing that with with Soulpack? Yes. So so uh, uh, I'd say two three years ago, maybe a little bit 
uh, more, I was in a position where I was kind of running SaltPak, I'm going to say part-time, two, three days a week. Um, I, I was enjoying life. I still had a very uh, high ambitious vision for SaltPak. That didn't change. It's not like I let it go. No, actually, I have caring for my team to grow, for the business to grow and whatnot. And then, and then I started hearing echoes that I thought was happening at SaltPak was very normal and average, you know, small business and whatnot. But then the banker one day is like, David, I've been with you for an hour and nobody, your phone didn't ring and nobody came to talk to you. And we're in, in your shop. What happened? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> because it's usually I see it was from the BDC. It was a great yeah. banker way back when. And he's like, what's going on? I'm like, well, what do you mean? Uh, the, the team is doing their thing. He's like, no, no, David, you don't understand. Normally, I would, we would get interrupted here and there for most of my clients. So that was one symptom. Uh, then I got a, a, a team player that's like, David, I, I think we uh, maybe we could talk to uh, this supplier who seems to be struggling with something. Maybe we can help them. And I thought it was like, okay, well, we're good, but not that good. So what, what I realized is that there are ways we had structured the system and the business that were really... Uh, different and unique in a way that it was liberating me, but also the team enjoyed it more. Right. Uh, nothing's perfect. We have our flaws, no. obviously, there are struggles. But that's when I said, you know what? Let let me, and I'm a guy of concept. So I started thinking and I ended up with the uh, Sherpa method, basically. I called it the Sherpa for the metaphor of the guy who carries the bags for you, but knows the way he's had his risks and whatnot. So he's been around and can help others now go up the mountain. That was the metaphor. Love it. Love it. I love that metaphor. I know, I know we climbed uh, Machu Picchu um, a few Christmases ago with the, with wow. the family. So that was super fun. And, and, and yes, those, those Sherpas made it work. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so it's, it's building the, building out the tents and building out the food and, and, and just making it just so much more manageable and a great experience. So, and, and by the way, as well, it is very rare for someone to run an $8 million business growing at, you know, what percentage you're growing, you know, consistently two to three days a week. That is very rare. So it's really great again. And, and again, it's systems, it's structures, it's great people, it's great recruiting yep. and all those things that really make that really make that possible. So, yes, no, absolutely. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for it. And, and the mentoring business, one thing that maybe I, I, I should add is that the idea is what what if I could encapsulate in a very simple, well-synthesized method that would help really run a business, a small business efficiently, but but in an, in a, in a, with the objectives of freeing the entrepreneur, not, yes. not just freeing his time, but even his mind, right? And freeing the, quite frankly, the team members, because if they don't got the big boss on their back, even if he's super cool and whatnot, everybody's winning, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, I know one of the things we mentioned before the pod as well is, 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 uh, you diagnosed just some of the words I use that I go into strategic, strategic coach program, which is one of the best learning and development program for entrepreneurs in the world. If not the best, I think it's the best. Um, and so you're actually only now going to the strategic coach. So it really, really, I think will light, light even another fire about all the, the ways you can strategize and, and think about this. Absolutely. I'm very excited. And, and uh, so I'm starting in June. And what led me to Strategic Coach, I've always been a member uh, uh, of uh, either a business group. I, I was in tech before. Yes. Uh, great, great group uh, for different reasons. Now I'm, I'm always transitioning, right? New, trying new things and whatnot. Before that, I was with another local group. And uh, Strategic Coach, I, I was aware. And 
because I'm launching this Sherpa project, and now I've, it's a business, yeah. and uh, we're going to be selling online courses. We've done a few mandates. We'll do a lot more. I was like, okay, how do I get to the next level where I bring salt back to 20, 30 million in the next years doing what I do today with the time that I dedicate to it and the great team and bring Sherpa to become a salt pack. So, so I thought I need a little, I, I need to be humble and, and get in the fray with learning how to do that. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, that's, that's great. So, you know, when you think back, what, what, what are the, the big failures or big mistakes looking back over your career, David? I've been thinking about this. So it's so on, on the student uh, painter side when I started. One thing that I that I thought was a, a good intention, but but mistake was to hire friends without at least vetting if they knew how to paint. I mean, it sounds today it sounds ridiculous to to think that I didn't even realize. Wait, wait a minute, maybe they need to know how to paint. Right. I thought you know if there's good intention, uh, then. It's going to go well. And it didn't go always well on projects. We always fixed it up and made sure right. client was happy. So that, that was great. And it was maybe two, three projects that really had a little challenge for there. But 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 basically, like the more mature me today thinks you really want to make sure there's a good fit between what the, what the challenge is, the mission is, and, and the player, basically. Yeah. So that was absolutely. a mistake not to do that match. Yeah. Okay. And what about, uh, how did you know that running a business was the right thing for you? Why do you think that it just seems to have been an urge? Why do you think that that was the case? I, I still wonder today, quite frankly. The first thing is I I always had visions for what I call the unseen. I just would see things. So maybe it's part inventor, part and, and part creator, part artist. I don't know. So I think entrepreneur is like a I mean, we have that DNA where, and I think anyone could be an entrepreneur if they let it rise up, but it's that urge to create something that does not exist uh, and, 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 and make it a living, basically. So in my case, it was really that urge. When I was a kid, I thought maybe I'd do real estate. Then painter, uh, student painters came along. Yeah. And, and I remember when I started Solpac, I was like, one day I'm going to make a million dollars in sales. I'm going to have a team of nine people. I could envision they're going to be hustling and bustling and they're going to love working at Salpac. There's going to be none of that corporate culture. Right. So it was like creating like the vision, basically. Okay. And so actually thinking more about Salpac, like the, the, the solutions, the food packaging solutions, did you create them? How did you, how did you create them? Or like, you know, how did that? Yeah, good question. So, so, uh, so I was still in telecom. Um, I was looking at opportunities and uh, my father-in-law um, was uh, like a, a one-man show with uh, colleagues and he would bring in different types of containers. So not really an extensive uh, offering, but very niche uh, products. And then he found a solution that was kind of a whole system in the States that wasn't really distributed in Canada. So uh, long story short, he uh, basically uh, did not continue that route and uh, and said, well, here, I, if you want to take over this line, uh, I'll connect you to the supplier. And I ended up doing that. And I loved it because it was a bundled offer. It wasn't just distributing a product. It was a whole system that required technical service. Uh, you had to have some expertise in the industry. And that to me, and it was eco-friendly. It was food. So to me, food was a, a pretty safe bet in business. Right. Um, so that's basically what brought me there. Right. And, and so so how many other competitors do you have in Canada or have you had over the decades? But, so I like to say none and all of them. 
right? <laughs> Uh, because it's a packaging, there's so many distributors of packaging solutions for food or okay. meals, a lot. And a lot of them do a great job because they carry 120,000 SKUs. And I don't know how they, they're amazing. They just have great systems for sure. Uh, on the other side, you have a lot of technical service uh, that focuses on that. Our business is really somehow magically doing the three of these things together. And, uh, and, that, I think that's what ski makes us pretty unique. Right. So, so when, and when you mean the three, you, you, you've, so why don't you just make that clear for me? Right. So, so you have the consumable, so the trays and film and that, that, that will be used to package. You have the equipment, uh, which will be sealing because there's a ceiling involved. And then we have the technical advisory and service where we make sure everything works. It all works. Together. Okay. Okay. And so some people are really strong in those different areas. Very few people do the whole service and it's kind of like the whole, you know, experience management, right? Like people like a just end to end solution. And when you can do that, it just, it just makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. So totally got it. Totally got it. That's awesome. Absolutely. So, you know, when you think about yourself back, you know, uh, you know, in early nineties, like, well, what did you need to change about yourself to become the business owner or full a value creator in the full-time world? Uh, a great question. Uh, I mentioned a mindset change. Uh, I was a very big micromanager. Uh, huh? As I said, I had this vision and I wanted, and I like things up to a, a, the comma had to be placed in the right place. So uh, that was what probably was helping me design something that was pretty unique, but it was also the biggest obstacle in, in allowing the business to flourish, basically. So that's the biggest learning, and it was extremely difficult. And I think it's in the face of, of I won't say bankruptcy, but in the face of not making money and running out of, of RSPs or IRA or whatever yes. it is in the, in the States, that those savings I had saved since I was 19, basically, was that I had to let go. And that was the biggest shift that I had to do. Isn't that great? Because I could imagine, like, I couldn't imagine myself being able to create what you've created, like the attention to detail around the engineering and the packaging and the uniqueness of what you're doing. And then, and then to create that, it's almost like you have to become a whole new person to be able to let go as a, as a leader and as a delegator, as an inspirer and enroller, right? Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably my greatest achievement in terms of, the, of my personal growth. Personal growth, thank you. Yes, because because now I'm I'm focused on how do my people, how do I I help the, my people grow, and 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 I find that a small, maybe a medium sized business, if it has that type of culture, is probably the best vehicle to become a be- the best version of yourself. Quite frankly, professionally. Absolutely, and and that's actually something that we talk about all the time about becoming the best version version of ourselves. And and one of the things as well, I could imagine as well, there probably is very much a a real analytical side to you that still is a strength to your business, right? Ensuring that the systems and processes are maintained, the quality is maintained. Like so so can you speak to that? Is that also true? Yes. So so I I um, I really love numbers. Uh, I actually took a <laughs> Back then, it was mail order uh, a class on on accounting and <laughs> in real estate. And so, knowing your numbers is so important, right? Uh, uh, it doesn't have to be your main strength. So, so analytical, absolutely, because numbers talk. So, so I would be able to assess. Okay, wait, this product it won't work for us. 
uh, this pricing doesn't work. So the number game is really, really important. And then when, when, when facing an issue or something that's not going well, to be able to have that mindset and, and stop everything and just think about the problem, what's happening before and, and thinking of a, of a, a workflow, basically, right? Yes. Is the 5S uh, strategy or, or, or technique. So thinking of all these elements is really, I think, what is really a key uh, competency to have as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, you're so, you're so right. And if we don't have that, then we need people on our team who have that skill set. Because, because again, those structures and having those in place that are just going to make such a difference, especially in such a, you know, more engineering, you know, focused business manufacturing or whatever, all the different things that you're going to need to manage with all the complexity in your business. So how many- I love that you say that because, because uh, I realized it made me realize that when I was at Fido, we had a team, there were five, I think for 1500 employees and, and their, their department was source cause. It was literally, what is the source of the issue? So let's say we got a thousand calls on Mondays for X problem. Well, that was a problem because you didn't have enough people on the floor to answer. And then people get angry because it's not fa- answered fast enough in the call center. And source cause job was solely to ask questions like a journalist to assess a source. So when I talk about analysis and thinking, so in your own business, when something is not going right, uh, obviously there's an emotional component, but you've got to switch quickly switch to What's the source of this? So I absolutely, it's funny. The words you use made me think of that. Yeah, well, uh, and I, I love that. And, and I know, um, you know, again, it's it's our business has gone extraordinarily well when my wife joined us and she had all sorts of different skills and complementary skills. And one of the best things, and we, we, we've also took, taken a great program called Landmark, um, which is mm-hmm. a, a program also that Dan Sullivan, the strategic coach, took because I can see all the learning of Landmark in his program. But it's, it's um, after doing everything is taking it apart. Mm. What went well? What didn't go well? How can we make it better? And like I said, sometimes even when it goes great, always looking, always looking, you know, we're always analyzing, always asking for feedback. And again, even like you said, when it goes poorly, don't think, oh, wow. And, you know, whining your soup, get upset. No, no, this is a great thing because we're going to solve it because of it. Right. Like, like, stop it now. This is something, you know, like, you know, you'll have a problem that could have been a really big problem, but you just stop it in its track. Right. Just because you go, OK, this yeah. is this. This oh, look at that. Wow. Look what could have happened here. Let's just find out everything and then just put a process in place that, that again, highly likely we'll never see that again. No, absolutely. And and uh, when when in the first few years, as I was saying, it was pretty tough for Saltback. And and I, I feel like I was making mistakes over mistakes, and things were happening. And and one learning very young that and and that was I, I can thank my mom for that. It was that to take responsibility for everything that's happening to you. Yeah. So whenever something would happen in the business that was not positive, uh, I mean, you react emotionally first. Let's be honest. For sure. Absolutely. First words will come out maybe. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. But, but then you got to switch and and the, the the empowerment of saying, okay, I'm responsible for this. I love the fact that responsible is really two words: response able. So the yes. ability to respond to any situation, right? Yeah. yeah. So so that 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 is uh, I find an amazing uh, way to to think when you because we are our worst enemy at times in our own business. For sure, we are. Yeah. I mean, we're the there's a risk and there because we contributed sometimes. So that's a great way of looking at it, their responsibility and taking charge. 
Yeah, the other thing as well is it's kind of a taking the blame away. We are 100% accountable, 100% responsible. Don't worry about the blame. Well, first of all, if you're the entrepreneur, it's my fault. Like, it's great. Just tell everyone. It's my fault. Now, don't worry about that. because Meaning, you know, just you take it on so that no one else has to and they can just put themselves at rest. And then, okay, let's look at it. What could we do? Let's, how, could we, how could we fix it? Um, the other thing is, you know, I know and learned this at Dan Sullivan, reactive, if you mess around the words, the, those letters, it's creative. So a reactive response is what most people ah, choose. Wow. And then, yeah. no, let's choose a creative response. Let's, let's again, pause, think, um, you know, et cetera. So, so, so it's in, and, you know, it's, it's funny, I guess we're kind of geeking out about problems, but most really great things are created through problems. It's like the problem actually becomes the solution. The problem yep. becomes the, the breakthrough and really seeing that where, where again, when I was 19, 20 running my business, you wouldn't, you, you know, that'd be a hard thing to convince me of. Um, so good chance my coach was telling me, but, but yeah, <laughs> just cause I'd be way more emotional. Uh, about That's right. That's right. <laughs> so That's right. Absolutely. What, what, David, what about habits? What key habits would, would, would some of our leaders want to steal from you? Um, we talked about geeking out. One thing that I geeked out on very early was to program myself to wake up when I needed to wake up. So, I mean, if you start your day off, uh, I wake up naturally at 5.30. If I've got a lot going on, I'll wake up naturally at 4.30. Um, And waking up early and energized is probably the best gift you can give oneself. And there's a lot of very excellent people out there giving you advice on how to do that. Yes. But figuring that is so important. Yeah, no, and and one hundred percent. One of our one of our coaches just did UPW by Anthony Robbins and was talking about oh, yes. a bunch of priming s- s- uh, strategies. Shout out John Cameron, and and so you know, yes, there are all sorts of different ways to do that. And structures. How do I go to sleep? How do I make sure my phone's off? All these different types of things, so that that can happen, and then bring your energy to your business in a powerful way. So exactly, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. So. so so, sorry, cut you off. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say that um, once the uh, you're up early and you've got the energy, uh, I mean, the only finite thing that we really have in life is is, is time. I mean, yeah. m- money somehow, some people figure out to be ton loads of it, but yeah. time. So to be really mindful, where, where am I putting my time? Because uh, it's so easy to dabble. And I've done that so many times where you dabble into something that's not really going to have really moved the needle for you. Yes. And yet you'll spend so much time because somehow it's so important. My first business card, I think I spent a week designing it. Oh. And, and, and at some point, my wife was like, aren't you supposed to sell containers? Like she didn't have a purpose, right? You just sell containers, go out there. What are you doing? No, no, I got it because you don't understand. The, the brand is so important. So, so being mindful of where you put your time, I think, is another key to success. Absolutely. No question. No question. So the last question, David, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Uh, I think I think the leader of tomorrow, it's 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 kind of new clothes on the same old foundational like wisdom it is uh, offer a vision that's compelling to to obviously your team, but also to whomever you're going to be serving. Right. And, and 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 figure out ways so that the team can can accomplish it in 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 ways that is going to be exciting for them and, and, and compelling in return. Because if you, if you are able to offer the vision and assist and coach in the how to get there, uh, then the world is, uh, 
is at your feet. It's it's just going to happen. No matter what the technology is available, no matter what new trend in management is, it's all about the vision and helping with the coaching with the healthcare. Absolutely, I just love it. And 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 you know, and again, there. So you you you've offered so many really great examples around that. Uh, you know, in our call, you know, just just. People are working on it. People are going to go and make their own decisions. I'm here or I'm not here in the office. It doesn't matter. You know, just, just, just that's, that, that's wonderful. Um, and it's just so awesome to see all the tremendous progress that you've made. Um, I know you're going to be coming out and I thank you in advance coming out later on to speak with our, our team in Montreal. So, so thank you. And I wish you continued success in both of your, your opportunities and yeah, you've got I'll bring the, the binder. All right. I'll bring the binder. Yes. Please bring the binder. You know, a piece uh, of antiquity. <laughs> absolutely. No, the, the, the operators will love to see it. So David, thanks so much. You have a fantastic day. A pleasure, Chris. Have a good one. Thanks again for the invite. Okay, you betcha. Cheers. Bye-bye. Ciao. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now, and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply, and I can't wait to see you on the other side.